Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. That's, that's the question that we're going to kind of consider because I really think clicks are the new friendships. Um, friendships don't seem to last as long as they used to or friendships have breaks. Like you're friends with somebody and then you take a year off of being friends and then you get back together. It's almost like friends are the new dating. Like it's really weird. Uh, so we're going to talk about friendships and clicks. Are clicks good or are clicks bad? So I'm going to just give another minute to, to take these, uh, these cards up. I think we're good. Um, so I want you to think about whether you think they're good or bad. And I, now I want to give you the definition according to the interwebs. Um, the definition of a click. And this is what the Internet gave me. A click is a small group of people with shared interests or other things in common who spend time together and do not readily allow others to join them. I kind of highlighted the issue that I have a problem with, you know, in clicks that do not readily allow others to join them. When I was in high school, a movie came out that was like the ultimate movie about clicks, and it was called Mean Girls. Um, and I think, from what I understand, like, that's one of those movies that has, like, spanned generations because, like, a lot of you, how many of y'all, you all have you've seen that movie or you've heard of that movie? It's kind of turned into, a, like, an internet thing, too. But one of the biggest, like, one of the most popular lines on that movie um, is, anybody know what the most popular line is? You can't sit with us! You can't sit with us! Because they tell this to the girl that was their ringleader because she came in, I think, sweatpants or something like that, if I remember correctly. I'm not real good on my, 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 my girly girl movies. But she gained weight, she had to put on sweatpants, it was a mess, you know. Um, so, um, but this idea of being a closed group. So, but what, what I want, and I, I want to submit this to you, like this idea, and I want you to think about it, because this is really, it's kind of like a two-week lesson. So we're going to do this lesson, we're going to just kind of push pause on it, and then next Wednesday we're going to hit play. It's all almost the same lesson. So I want you to think about this and see if you agree with me. Here's the statement I want to make. There, clicks can be either good or bad, depending on your definition. To me, this is a bad, def- this is a definition of a bad click. People who turn others away. You know, the click of Regina George, the mean girl. You, know, the, the, you can't sit with us. I think that's a bad click. But did you know that Jesus had a click? We're going to look at Jesus' click. And I believe that Jesus gives us a definition for a good click. And, and I'm going to give you that definition ahead of time. This is Jesus' click. Really, we've been t- changed what's in yellow. A small group of people with shared interests or things in common who spend time together and readily invited others to join them. So some of you, you know, you're, you're kind of in a group. You're in a clique. And some of you, you feel like you're on the outside looking in. Now, I'm not just specifically talking about cliques at church, by the way. Like, there are cliques at school. There are cliques on sports teams. What's really interesting is that, like, even within, like, groups of people with shared interests, there are cliques and friendships. Like, you know, if you're in band, you're not friends with everybody in band. But you've got your people in band. You've got your band people of the band people. Right, so so think about the people that you have in your in your life. You know, that's your clique. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how you should act towards other people in your clique, and then next week we're going to talk about how your clique should act towards people outside of your clique. So, if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew. The next two weeks is kind of all one lesson. We're going to be in Matthew ten, and th- this is this incredible story of where Jesus literally sets up his clique. Jesus sets up his friend group. And, um, and, and the story is, is really interesting. We're going to get the really just kind of the first part tonight, and then next week it really, it really takes off. But Matthew 10, verse 1, we've got the words on the screen. 
Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So Jesus calls these 12 guys to his group. So real quick, like I want to race through a de- this new definition of Jesus is quick and line it up with the scripture. And then I want to give you some ideas and some things that you can do to be a better person towards the other people that are in your clique. Because your clique may not be here at church. Your clique may be at school. Your clique may be where you're the only one who's a Christian in your clique. And everybody else, you're like the example and you're the light. So, so first, let's, let's look at Jesus' clique through this definition. First, we said a clique is a small group of people. And Jesus' clique was a small group of people. <clears throat> look, at, look at verse 1. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples. You know me, I'm a questions guy. I love to ask questions about everything in the Bible. And when I was reading this, this is one of my first questions. Is like, why 12? Like, did he just like randomly say, I think I need them. 12 sounds like a good round number. I think I want 12 disciples. You know, why did he, why did he choose 12? You know, there's some people that they, they think they can find reasoning behind every number in the Bible. Um, and, and, and God does seem to use numbers, but if you think you can use numbers to, like, predict, like, how many toes are going to be on the beast and, like, like, exactly the year that Jesus comes back, like, you just need to go home, get your tin hat, um, and sit there and wait for Obama to come take your guns. Like, um, like, 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 God loves numbers, and God uses numbers, um, but we don't want to read too much into this. But why 12? Like, why 12? Why do you think? Why wouldn't Jesus call 15? 20? 30? Why not 50 disciples? Like, if 12 disciples shook the world, why didn't he make 50 disciples? Have 50 disciples? Imagine what 50 could have done. What do you think? Why 12? Anybody have any ideas? Because I've been thinking about this one, and I've I've only come up with one, one idea, um, but I'm curious to see if any of y'all have any ideas. I'll tell you my idea, okay? Here's, here's what I'm thinking. Small things, and we see this all through the Bible, God uses small things to have a big impact. I have a picture of three bones. These bones are in your body. Does anybody know, those of you that had anatomy, what bones those are, Okay. Yes, the hammer, anvil, and the stirrup. Where might those bones be located? Shout out, the ear. Anybody know why those bones are incredibly important? Anybody know what would happen if those bones broke or they were out of place or you didn't? You'd be like, well, you can't, you'd have issues with hearing, but you would also be flat on your face. Because those three, they're the smallest bones in your body, but they dictate your equilibrium. And if there's something off in there, you'll have what's called vertigo. And you, you, everything will be spinning. You'll have trouble walking and driving. And some of you already have trouble walking and driving, but um, even more so. So small, th- but God takes small things and, and, and uses them for a big impact, right? He took David, who was a small thing, to kill the giant, right? And God uses a small group. Jesus picks a small group of people to have a big impact because Jesus did for 12 what he wished he could do for everyone. And we have that choice, too, and we have that going on in our cliques. I wish I could love the world. Like, I'm one of those, like, hippie free spirit guys, I guess. I just wish I could love everybody in the world. But you know what? 
If I tried to love everybody in the world, nobody in the world would get loved because my love would be split between 50,000 bajillion different people. Or six billion, I think, right? <laughs> to be more specific. But yeah, and what, what, would, what would my love be like if it was split among six billion people? Everybody get just this tiny little sliver. If I could write a note to everybody in the world, I'd probably spend all my time writing one note to each person in the world of my, my entire life. Right? So Jesus, since he became a human, took on a physical body, he had some of those human limitations, those physical limitations. So Jesus did for a, a, a small group of people what he wished he could do for everyone. In our cliques, we have the opportunity to impact a small group of people to the manner that we wish we could impact the world with. So Jesus had 12. There's nothing wrong with a small, starting with a small group. Jesus had 12. That's good. So a small group of people, and then it's... I had strep throat last week, so I'm still like, I'm not contagious. I'm still, trying to, I'm still trying to get my voice back. A small group of people with shared or common interests. Um, the disciples had shared or common interests, but they were kind of hard to find. Because if you look at some of these disciples, look at the first couple. Simon and Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. James and John had a nickname. Anybody know what James and John's nickname were? It was a Greek nickname, of course. It was Boanerges. Anybody know what that means? You probably don't. Oh, Musgrave, for the win. It meant the Sons of Thunder. That, that sounds like a motorcycle gang, doesn't it? Like the Sons of Thunder. But you know what that actually meant? It, it, it had the connotation in the Greek that they were hotheads. That they were the people that would, like, get mad, like, at the flick of a wrist. Like, they would just get so mad. And then you know who else is in this group? A guy named Peter. Peter got so mad when, the, the, when people came to arrest Jesus, Peter grabs a sword and chops off an, the ear of a guy that's trying to arrest Jesus. Like that was, that was Peter. Um, James and John, the sons of thunder, one time them and Jesus went into a town, and um, the people of the town were like, Jesus, we don't want you in your ta- our town. Get out, get out, get out. So you know, James and John, they got super offended. They got so mad. They're like, Jesus, you know what I think we need to do? I think we need to call fire down from heaven to scorch these people. And Jesus is like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but that, that was like, there, that was, so in, in this group, there were hotheads. There were, you know, you probably got guys like that at your school or girls like that at your school, like the smallest little thing. It's like the mother of all bombs dropped on Cabell Midland or dropped on Huntington. Like it, it, and then um, you also had, I just call, call, them, call them deplorables. Uh, people that nobody looked up to and nobody respected, you have in verse 3, Matthew the tax collector. We're not talking about an IRS agent. We're talking about people. Matthew was a guy who cheated other people out of money. That was his profession, to cheat people out of money. Um, You also have um, an insurrectionist, Simon the Zealot. You know, it, it meant to be a zealot back then. It meant you were trying to overthrow the government, you know. You, 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 were the, you were the one that lived in, like, Boone County, West Virginia, on the top of a mountain, with, off the grid with no electricity, no running water, and you were, you were ready to overthrow the government. No offense if you're from Boone County. But you know, he, 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 was, he was always trying to start a revolution. He was considered to be dangerous by, by the government. You also had a guy that a lot of people know. His name was Judas Iscariot. Anybody know anything about Judas Iscariot? He's the one that betrayed Jesus. He turned Jesus into the government and had Jesus put to death. Yet still, what, this is, we'll get to this later. Jesus knew that Judas was going to do that. He still invited him into his clique. That's huge. But I say all that to say, you've got some crazy personalities 
You've got people who were fishermen. You've got people who worked in finance and everybody in between. And Jesus brings them all together. So what was their common interest? What was their shared interest? Well, Jesus said at first they were called by Jesus was their common interest. And second, he gave them a command in, 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 in verse 5. He said, proclaim this message. The kingdom of God is near. So he gave them a mission, and he gave them something to do. In your group, I want to just, just want you to think about, what's the common interest in your group that keeps you guys together? This, in, 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 um, in college, this was our common interest in our dorm, Halo. We would play Halo till all hours of the night. Maybe some of you, like, that's what you do. You go to your buddy's house, and Halo's not a thing anymore, but you go to your buddy's house, and you're playing Call of Duty. You're playing Star Wars. You're playing whatever game. You guys just, like, rally around it. You make it so intense. And we did this in college, too. We put, like, these cardboard things, screen protectors, so nobody could cheat off the other person's screen. So you've got a shared interest, right? What's the shared interest in your group? Is it you're, you're all in the same music group? You're all in the same math class? You're all, you, everybody has a shared interest. Jesus' group's shared interest happened to be Jesus. I'd submit to you that if, if in your group is a bunch, if in your clique is a bunch of Christians, that should be your shared interest. But what's the shared interest in your group? The next thing we know about these cliques is that they spend time together. Gee, <laughs> sorry, I was feeling a little meme crazy today. But um, <clears throat> they spent time together. Jesus spent three years with these guys. He spent three years. You know what they say the average friend there, I, I love, like, studies and statistics. The average friendship duration has declined steadily since the 90s. Now the average friendship duration is eight months. Isn't that crazy? Eight months. And what's also interesting is the average um, dating relationship, like, level is right about six months. So now friendships are almost as interchangeable as relationships. And, like, I don't know about you, but I kind of see that happening sometimes. Think about the people that you're with right now, like that you're buddied up to right now. Were you buddied up with them a year ago? Maybe not. Jesus dug in for three years with these guys, and these guys had major issues. These guys had baggage. These guys had, here's a couple things. Jesus had to rebuke them for fighting amongst each other. They were all trying to jockey for position. They're all like, I'm the leader. Hey, no, I'm the leader of this group. Hey, no, I'm the leader. And Jesus steps in. He's like, guys. I'm kind of the leader. <laughs> and if you, if you want to be great in this group, you've got to serve each other. Um, they also, um, they, they also um, failed. Jesus sent them out to drive demons out, and they failed to drive the demons out. And they never really got Jesus' teaching. They were always letting Jesus down. But you know what Jesus did? He didn't storm off. He didn't say, you know what? You guys are terrible. You guys are losers. I'm going to go find another click. He stuck with them. He spent time together, three years. The final thing is Jesus, unlike a lot of cliques that we know, he readily invited others to join them and to join the clique. Look at some of these words, look at some of the wording here. Verse 5, Jesus said, Jesus, it says, he sent out his clique. In verse 6, he said, go. In verse 7, he says, as you go, proclaim this message. Um, and, and then later on in this passage, he says, I am sending you. Verse 16, he says, I am sending you. The only time people failed to join Jesus' clique was not by Jesus' choice that says, hey, you're out. It was by their choice that says, wow, this is hard teaching. I don't know if I can follow it. Um, I wrote this down. Sometimes I write things down because I know I'm going to forget. Good cliques play offense, 
but bad clicks play defense. You ever seen this? I call it circle the wagons. Back in the pioneer days when people were journeying from, journeying from one, side of the, um, one side of the country to the other, if there was like an Indian attack or Native American attack coming, they would um, they'd put the wagons in this position so they could defend themselves. This is, should not be the default position of Christians and of Christian cliques. That works for a couple, you know, that works for maybe an hour. It works maybe for an hour. But if you're always circling the wagons, you're never going to get to where you're supposed to go. And if you're always playing defense, when God called us to play offense, we're never going to get as a youth group, and we're never going to get as groups of Christian people where God wants us to be. Uh, we'll get to that next week. I'm, I'm, we'll get that next week. But Jesus actually rebuked his disciples. He actually... Um, he, he actually corrected his disciples when they were trying to shut people out of their clique. Did you know that? Um, Jesus, at one point, there were kids that were trying to come see Jesus, and the disciples were like, you're not important enough to see Jesus. And Jesus is like, what's up with that? Let the little children come to me. Let them come. I want to bless them too. So these cliques readily invite others to join them. They don't circle the wagons. They play offense. Hey, God said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So why are we circling the wagons? We should be on offense, shouldn't we? We say, oh, but I'm concerned that, like, these sinners are going are gonna to get close to me and corrupt me. But think about it this way. The closer you get to people, the more influence they will have on you, yes. But the closer you get to people, the more you can influence them for Christ, too. You can't win your enemies to Christ. You can only win your friends to Christ. So what does that say? It says we need to start making more friends so we can win them to Christ. So they readily invite other people to join them. Next week, we're going to talk about exactly how you can do that because it's a lot easier than you think. You don't have to, like, pick up a giant print Jerry Falwell edition King James Bible and go around your school hitting people over the head with a Bible to tell them about Jesus. It's actually really easy, and we're going to talk about that next week. So, you ready for this? How to get deep with your click. How to have a Christ-like click. Um, I'm going to put all these on the app because there, there are a lot of them. Uh, they're all backed up by scripture, and these are all things that I found to be true. And the first is be genuinely interested in others. Have you ever met someone, and they're introducing themselves to you, and then you introduce yourself to them, and then you realize, I have no idea what they said their name was. Because we're so concerned about introducing ourselves to others that we forget to listen to, to what their name is. Um, Proverbs 18.1 says, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends, and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Like, find people fascinating. Find the people in your group fascinating. Don't always make it all about you. Make it about them. So be genuinely interested in others. Here's the next one. This is like super easy. You can't do any of the others. You can do this one. Smile. Look to the person next to you and smile at them. Like, give them a, give them a, give them a smile. <laughs> it can be goofy. It's okay. You know what I've learned? It's hard, like, <laughs> it's hard not to smile back at someone when they smile at you. Can I be honest? Sometimes, like, sometimes I sit at your picnic table downstairs, or I'm hanging out with you guys, and I'm, with, I'm in your group, and everybody's acting like they hate each other or something. Everybody's acting like they're all, like, peeved off or PO'd at each other. What would happen if you just started smiling? You know what Proverbs 15 says? It says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. You know, it, sometimes it's spiritual to have fun. 
Sometimes we can get, and this is a Christian problem, Christian probs. We can get so serious because our mission is to save the world, so that's a little serious mission. We can get so serious that we forget that God also made us to have a happy heart, and we can have fun. We can throw paint at each other and have fun sometimes. You know, you can, you, you can throw a taco at someone and have fun. Maybe not a taco, but you can have fun. Be, smile. You've got the joy of the Lord in your heart. Your click needs your happiness. Because if you're having a good day, you better share it with everybody else. Next one, number three. This is very easy. Well, it can be easy. Stop whining. Philippians 2 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Part of being part of a group and being part of a click means you sacrifice a little bit about what you want for what everybody else needs. And if we're not careful, we micromanage our cliques. We micromanage our friend groups, and we set everything up so that it's all about what we want, and it's about what the movie that we want to see. It's about the girl that we're interested in. And if we don't get what we want, the rest of our night is just screwed up. But what would happen? What would happen if you realize that it's not just about you? There's a story about a guy who ordered some flowers um, for his neighbor, and his neighbor was... Uh, was go, was his neighbor just moved in. He's like, I'm going to be a good neighbor, and I'm going to order some flowers, like a welcome to the neighborhood thing. And it says, um, it says, welcome. And, and the the message that he wanted the flowers to say was, welcome to your new home. And somehow his flowers got switched up with flowers that were sent to a funeral home, and sent next to a casket, so that his neighbor got one that said, rest in peace. So he went back to the he went back to the um, to the flower place, and he was ticked. And he, he, he ripped the guy up one side and down the other. He's like, my, my, you know, my neighbor got it, one that says rest in peace. And, you know, the, the floor said, well, you should be glad because some guy at a funeral home next to his casket got one that says enjoy your new home. So, <laughs> we always have something we can be thankful for. If we would just find it, if we would just find it. And you know what I've learned? That the, the, it's not, if I've had a bad day, I can unload to my friends and that's okay. But if I'm always whining, you know who, you know what? Nobody wants to be around me. So stop whining. Here's a more positive one. Um, number four, be a good listener. James 1.19 says, every, you can drill it. everybody in the world needs to listen to this one. It says in James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God gave you two, eye, or, God gave you two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. Use them in that ratio. Right? How quick are we to always be the ones talking? And we never thought to ask Avery how his day was and listen. And when you listen, don't be scanning the area to see how, what everybody else is doing. Actually look at somebody in the eye and listen to them. You'd be surprised to find out how interesting people are and what's going on in their life if you'd stop and listen to people. Number five, accept people unconditionally. Nobody ever got voted out of Jesus' click. The only person that left Jesus' click was because he left Jesus to betray Jesus. Even Jesus didn't kick Judas out of his clique. Romans 5.17 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. When Jesus accepted you, were you a good friend to him? No. It says you were enemies to him. When he died on the cross, you were his enemy. You, you positioned yourself as his enemy, yet he accepted you enough to die for you. We should accept people unconditionally. People, some people ha- don't just have bad days. They have bad months. <laughs> you ever had a bad year? Some people have bad years. 
And you know, you know what makes a good friend? You know what makes a Christ-like clique? Is that when Andrew's had a terrible year, and he's been a jerk. All, sorry, I pick on Andrew like every week. And he's, Andrew's had a bad year, and he's been a jerk all year because a lot of stuff has been going on in his, I don't know any of this to be true. A lot of stuff has been going on in his family, and his dog died, and his girlfriend dumped him, and all this stuff has been happening this year. And it seems like every time we, I run into him, he's sour. But you know what? I made a commitment. Andrew's my brother in Christ, so I'm going to accept him unconditionally, even if he is hard to deal with, because that's how Christ accepted me. Number six, help people feel significant. It says in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above themselves. No matter who's in your clique, no matter who's, yeah, who you're playing Xbox with, no matter who you're in, in choir with, every person in your clique was created in the image of God for a relationship with God. So it's not just about making them feel significant. It's about the fact that they are significant and they need to understand that they're significant in the eyes of God. But how often do people in our groups totally ignored. And when we ignore them as representatives of Christ, we feel like God ignores them. Number seven, open up your emotions. This is hard for guys. You know, we're not emotional. I'm not telling you to go around crying everywhere. You know, please don't do that. Like, please. Um, but, uh, but look at this. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That means that when somebody in your clique has a loved one that passed away, or is going through a series of, or like, a, just a, a sad season in their life, you're not going like this, but you're going like this. I'm here for you, bro. Rejoice with those who rejoice also. Sometimes that's hard for us, because she got the boyfriend and I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> because she got the boyfriend and you didn't. <laughs> and you know what? That could be hard, can it? Oh, that could be hard to rejoice with those who are maybe getting the things that you wanted. He got a date to the prom, and you didn't. But he's in your clique, and you know what? What's good for him makes you happy. Proverbs 18, 24, number 8, stick with them. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. There's a country song out there you probably don't know. Tracy Lawrence sang it. He says, you find out who your friends are. Someone gonna drop everything, run out and crank up their car, get there fast, hit the gas, never stop to think what's in it for me, or it's way too far. They just show on up with their big old heart. Okay? Stick with them. Jesus stuck with his wacko disciples for three years, and you know what happened because he stuck with them? They changed the world. Here's the final one. Share Christ with them. Share Christ with them. Luke 8, 39 says, go home and tell what the Lord has done for you. Hey, your clique has nothing to do with Christ. Your clique is a bunch of guys who play, who play, not Halo anymore, who play Call of Duty. You know what you can do in your own special way, and we're going to talk about that next week? You can share Christ with your clique. Some of you have reach that I can reach people that I could never reach. Some of you can influence people that I could never influence. God put you in your clique for a reason. The question is, what are you doing with it? So I went way too long. I'm sorry. Next week's going to be fun. Next week we're going to talk about the how. This is the why. Next week we're going to talk about the how. So everybody push pause. Okay, we'll pick it up next week. Let me pray for you and we'll go down to tag. Uh, Father, I pray that as, as we talk about this click thing, um, God, that we won't just run away from it because it's, it's, it's hard or it's, it's awkward, but that we'll embrace the relationships that you gave us, um, that we'll be good friends to people, and that will also influence them for Christ. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.